What's up, everybody? Jason Vest for the After Ed Podcast. And that was Leonard Cohen, my next guest's favorite artist. Today with me, I have the founder of SoundWise, a personal growth teacher, contributor to the Huffington Post, and entrepreneur. And she even has a PhD in economics from Georgetown University. Please welcome Natasha Che to the After Ed podcast. Today's episode, you're going to hear about the creation of SoundWise and the potential of audio. If you're a young entrepreneur out there, you're going to get some advice. You're going to hear Natasha's take on how we address the social and emotional needs of our students. And even though she won't tell you what her favorite restaurant is, we'll hear three people that Natasha would like to have dinner with. Tune into the podcast uh, links uh, to find out where you can connect more with Natasha. And without further ado, um, we have Natasha Che. Uh, Welcome to the After Ed Podcast. Today I have with me uh, Natasha Che. She is the founder uh, of SoundWise. She is a personal growth teacher. She is a contributor to the Huffington Post, an entrepreneur, and has a PhD in economics. So first, I just want to say, Natasha, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. Of course, Jason. My pleasure. So I really love the concept of your startup sound-wise. Being an educator, um, we're always looking for things to improve uh, education. And so could you just tell everyone listening... uh, what exactly is SoundWise, and how is SoundWise changing the game? Yeah, of course. SoundWise is a audio publishing platform for podcasters, and we are the world's first publishing platform that gives podcasters detailed information about their subscribers and multiple ways to connect with subscribers. Because the, the thing is, the problem with podcasting is, you know, you learn a lot from podcasting, from different podcasters. But on the back end, podcasters actually have no idea who subscribed and who listened to their podcast. So what we are doing is really providing podcasters the tools to engage with their subscribers and to connect with, uh, with subscribers so that they can improve their content, they can know you know, uh, more of what their audience needs. And also, you know, you know, if they have something to market, something to promote, they can do that more effectively once they have a more engaged audience relationship. Yeah, so I, could you could you add a little bit to that? So how, you know, just for someone that's, uh, you know, this might be their first podcast or, you know, they've, they're just... Uh, thinking that they have it figured out. How do you, how do you engage with your audience uh, over, over audio? Think about how you engage over other social uh, platforms like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, right? So you strike up conversation. So it's the same thing with podcasts because like podcasting has been around for 15 years, but really the model hasn't changed much. It's still, you know, the mindset is uh, the old broadcasting mindset, which is like a, you know, you put a message out there and whatever happens to it, you don't know. It's like a one-way street. But with the world, in today's world, like audience engagement is the king if you want your content to have an impact. So at a minimum, you know, um, if you, even if you're not using a platform like SoundWise, I would suggest, you know, 
start building an email list or some kind of online group that, where you can um, know, get to know your audience better. And also on your episodes, you know, ask people questions. You know, what, what do people want to hear in your next episode? What problems do they have in the area that, which is your topic area of your podcast? And also ask them to share their knowledge, you know. And really, the, the social interaction is really about building conversations and getting to know each other. And podcasting is no different from any other type of content platforms in that regard. And what Soundwise does is to really make that process easier for podcasters. So... What would you say, and this is, I have to ask this question because um, I'm an educator in Richmond, Virginia, and I have, uh, I teach eighth graders, so my kids are 13 going on 14 by the time they leave here. Um, can they listen to podcasts? Should they be involved with starting their own? What, what's your take on kind of a younger generation in podcasting? So the, the audio medium is a very interesting medium because it's, designed for people to learn things, actually. If you think about it, um, what do you do? What do people do when they go on YouTube? Of course, there are some educational content on YouTube, but mostly people go there to, you know, watch like a three-minute cat video. It's mainly for (laughs) entertainment and visual stimulation. But audio is a very good tool for you to learn things because you have this you, you, you know, you plug your, your earphones in and then you can go about, you know, doing something else. You can be gardening, you can be running, you can be on the bus. But at the same time, you know, you are in your own little world concentrated on learning something new, absorbing some new information. That is, you know, because audio has relatively less distraction compared to visual. So it, said, it, it, so it turned out to be a great learning tool for people. You know, across all ages, I would say. Actually, last week I was at it then, and I met a podcaster who is eight years old. Wow. Yes. So I got to ask you, um, what made you want to focus on the audio piece? I mean, did you, has it been an evolution from where you started, or have you always wanted to do something uh, in this field? How did it evolve? Because I am a, uh, now first of all, I'm very busy, right? So, but on the, on the other hand, I always try to learn things. So that, that makes audio an ideal medium for me personally to learn things. I, you know, always, I'm a big fan of audiobooks and podcasts. I learn so much just in my spare time through audio medium. So I've always been a big fan of audio. Uh, from a consumer point of view. And then two years ago, when I decided to uh, that I wanted to become an entrepreneur and I wanted to start my own project, the, th- the first thing I started was a podcast. Because exactly because, you know, like, as an entrepreneur, you're kind of, you know, scratching your own itches, right? Solving your own problems as a starting point. That's a very good point to start to build a business. So I started this podcast my first podcast, and I realized, oh, when I push out my podcast, I had no idea who listened to it. That's not good, and it gets, like, really frustrating because I really want to connect with my audience to improve my content. I want to get feedback on what people are thinking about content, what they're learning, right? Yeah. So that's 
that's why, that's how the idea of Snellwise came about. It's really from my own listening experience of audiobooks and podcasts, and also from my own experience as a podcast host. So it's like, in, um, as a you know general rule that people will tell you, um, when you start your first company or two, it's uh, it, it's much easier to to try to solve a problem that you yourself know and experience to an intimate level than to try to start a company solving someone else's problem. Sure. So uh, that's actually a good segue. So um, I was just telling you, I teach an innovation class, and we have things based in design thinking and entrepreneurship. And and I am not an entrepreneur myself, but uh, I feel like um, I'm wanting to head in that direction. But uh, I've given kids an opportunity to pursue their own business interest. And so I basically have three or four students right now that are ready to take their business concept to the next level. Um, in, in their words. So what three things or, or two things or one thing would you tell these kids uh, to make sure that they double check before they, and I'm using air quotes, before they launch uh, their business? Well, the most important thing is to check whether there is a market for your product. Now, for example, when I just had the idea for Sandwise, right, so because I'm a, I'm a software engineer also, so I kind of, you know, it's a little bit mock-up, and, and I printed out some, like, screenshots of mock-up, and I went to this local podcasting event, I printed out some business cards. Yeah. And I went to this local podcasting event, and I told people, which are, who are also podcasters, I told people about this concept of sound life, and people are super interested, and my business cards got snatched up in, all of them, in 20 minutes. Wow. So, so that, that made me realize, oh, I'm not the only person who have this desire to connect with my audience more. I'm not the only person, I'm not the only podcaster who's having this problem. So there possibly can be a market there that that is beyond just the one customer, right? So so that is the kind of uh, kind of uh, experiment I, I think any any business owners that you that that, that, that you want to do before you start something, in one form or another, you want to have some kind of market confirmation of whether the thing that you are thinking of building and creating is actually needed by someone. Yeah, and that that's great advice. And what I'm finding is that, you know, a lot of the interest that the kids have now um, are things that are already in a very saturated market. So, for example, we have um, a couple of students that are really interested in fashion and they want to sort of blend a, a retro and modern look. I have another student who's really into graphic design, in particular, um, like video game type characters using vector art and things like that. So would the advice still be the same for them, uh, knowing that they're going into uh, a really saturated market? Well, you know, actually, if there are other people in the market that you're going into, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? That actually, that actually that tells you at least, at least, that is a, um, that is a field where there are customers. Yeah. But people are actually buying things yeah. in that field, right? But what you what, what you need to find out is what is your what is unique about you, and what is the 
value added that you are providing that other people are not doing. So that actually takes it takes a um, it takes some trial and error for a lot of companies to actually find their own voice of what's what's their unique value added to a specific group of customers, and that's. And those things you may not figure out just from day one, right? So it it, it would take it would take um, you know inter market interaction. It would take your product hitting the market and getting feedback and refining it. That whole process, a lot of times, to nail down what is actually your own voice of of your business of your of the unique perspective of your business. So it's it's really a combination of both. You, you, before you jump into any field, you better make sure you know at least that you know this this, uh, this is a promising idea that that some people find this idea appealing. You need to do that research in, in one way or another. And but but it doesn't mean that it's no there's no guarantee that that even if everybody tells you that's a brilliant idea, that once you build a product, anybody will actually pay money for it, right? But so it's really an iterative process, and sometimes it's uh, um, it's highly unpredictable, and that's that's where the creative, the fun aspect of entrepreneurship comes in. So, so really, you know, um, even if it's a crowded market space, once you dig deeper, you may find that there are needs, there are wants that are currently not being fulfilled. By the existing providers, and then and you cannot discover those if you just uh, you know stand on the sideline and observe things from the surface, right? So that really you can only discover those once you start once you start getting some action going because it's a iterative process. Yeah, that that's really great advice, and I think it's interesting. Um, you know, we were talking about how to how we're really changing things here, and um, I'll just share uh, in Virginia um, in our um, business courses, which are elective courses, kind of lumped under a career and technical education uh, program. Uh, the entrepreneur class that exists now is basically designed for 11th and 12th grade students. And we have competencies that students have to reach. And there's one competency in this 11th grade course that is highlighted in blue. And what that means is that it is the only thing in that list that is suggested. And the only thing that is highlighted blue is the actual startup of a business. So actually launching a product. And so we talk about changing the game. I have three or four students that are at that point now as eighth graders. So what does that mean for this course that's designed for kids three years from now if they're already doing it? Yeah, I mean, everybody has a a good idea. You know, how many times have you heard people say, oh, I had the idea for Facebook like 20 years ago. I could have built that. Of course. You know, like everybody has great ideas. Like having great ideas is not hard. <laughs> so, so, but but what's what's actually hard is actually you know executing that idea and and overcoming the challenges and actually push something out into the market. So, so with with the education system, because I you know I have a PhD and I spent over twenty years in 
formal education system. And what I see is one thing, the education system is not teaching people nearly enough is the value of trying and failing. Yes. And, you know, if you're in a class of, uh, you build a project, but it's really all it's about concepts and positioning and without action, then you never get to fail. Yeah. Right? If you, if you never get to fail, um, you, you will always think that failure is such a big deal. But, but the fact is, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you fail every day, you know? But it's always, because it's always a trial and error, and uh, 80% of the things, the, the idea, the approaches that you're thinking of trying may not work out. And what are you going to do when it doesn't work out? If you make failure such a big deal, as you know, our school system doesn't doesn't train people to, to treat fa- failure as a step forward. We treat failure as a step backward. So if you don't have a healthy relationship with failure, you're going to get very easily discouraged in the entrepreneurial process because every day you have new ideas, new strategies you want to implement, and you try them and they don't work, right? So... So it's it's really I, I would say the kids need to need to be need to get more comfortable with failure, and the only way you can be more comfortable with um, with your entrepreneurial plan not working out is to try a bunch of them. And you know, after the fifth time, you're like, oh, no big deal. I can st- I can start a next project, or I can try a different approach. Yeah, that that's just it's. Oh. That's really great advice, and I mean, you know, that's that's the essence of what we're trying to do here. Um, and you know, it's just I'm fortunate enough to have a principal, to have a school district that's willing to take a risk on me and let us really do some things to try to change education. But and I mean, you so you know this. You're in D.C. and D.C. lawmakers do not like failure in schools. So you wrote an article I saw last year for Entrepreneur that you were talking about how to sell anything to anyone by telling great stories. So what, in your opinion, do legislators need to hear to really make not just minor changes but sweeping reforms in education? You know, um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of top-down approach. <laughs> I, it, it, uh, I, I really do feel, you know, a lot of changes, it's, uh, it's a lot of changes that happen on a systemic level are, uh, the reason they happen is not because some minister of education or department head had this uh, brilliant vision. It's because of the trend of the world is moving towards that direction. And the government is, you know, um, a lot of times it, it's, the, it's the next person to catch up. Yeah. So, so, so it's really, you know, nowadays what, what we see more and more is the society we're moving into a more creative society, right? We are we are already we we're already coming out of the industrial age and moving into this uh, more um, creative um, age where people's the nature of work is changing dramatically. So if you want to thrive in the future workplace, you better have very good creative skills and problem-solving skills and selling skills, 
And and I think more and more, like as parents and teachers start to realize those are the necessary skills that that children are needed. Children need to thrive in in future workplace. There will be more and more initiatives starting to happen, like your class, and and gradually, you know, that that will motivate changes at the higher level. But I don't think that many many changes that that initiated from the higher level is is actually uh, is actually working out. So. That's just my personal opinion. No, and you know, I think you're spot on. And you talk about being creative um, and and having an open mind. And I I think a lot of times, and I always wonder if it's, um, you know, basically, I feel like a lot of times in education, people don't have an open mind or think too creatively. So they need a model of what works. They need an example, an experiment of what they can say, um, you know, change or transformation looks like. And so to that point, what we've been able to do has garnered a lot of attention locally. So I just wonder, you know, there's a lot of amazing things happening around the world in education and in our country. Um, And it just, it seems like we're still kind of fragmented. But um, I, I think that we're, I think that we're definitely going in the right direction. Yes, and I applaud what you are doing, you know, your, the experiments that you're making in your own class. You're contributing to the, the, the change in, in your own way, and that's, uh, that's very admirable. Yeah, so thank you. Um, I want to switch gears just, just for a moment. So there is a lot of talk in education about um, nurturing the whole child. Um, and so I, I noticed that you, you have a really great, um, call it philosophy, quote, mantra, um, that is inner mastery leads to outer attainment. What does this right. mean? What does this mean exactly? How do we achieve inner mastery? And does this have a place in K twelve education, or is this kind of something just for adults? Well, you see, the thing is, uh, you, you think about. No, first of all, I think this is something that definitely um, the school system. Um, does not teach kids how to be resilient and strong and open-hearted human beings. That we don't teach that enough. You think about the the classes that we teach in school. Um, they are all. They, they, most of them are are, are they like information level, right? It's yeah. a it's an information dump. Yep. And and what you what you get tested on are. Um, Basically, did, did you did you register those information in your brain or not? Yep. Um, but, but the thing is, as we you know, as we step out of school and as we go through life, whether you are an entrepreneur or not, um, you start to you know encounter things that are not entirely black and white that you can um, that that can give you a clear there there, there is. If there's no perfect score in life, right? Nobody, nobody gives you an A or a B. There, it's not a standard test. And there are so many choices that you can make um, in your life, both in your relationships and in your career. And and there are also things, you know, that we we talk about. How do you how do you face setbacks and things not working out in life? And 
I don't think the school system is preparing our children to 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 um to become the kind of strong and resilient and open-hearted human beings that will have a you know optimal response to 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 these life situations. So 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 really um I you know I I don't know I don't know how you can um how, how you can how you can integrate these knowledge into standard tests? <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's something very hard to test people on. But that is a, a lot of times, you know. That's why I um, I love storytelling in in terms of uh, you know both as a way to to change minds and change heart and and initiate transformation in people. Um, is that when you hear other humans' stories? Um, of how they go through life, of how they accomplish things that they accomplish, um, that has a profound impact on you, especially, you know, um, at a, like, especially when we are younger, you know, we love stories. And, 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 and those, and I think that's actually one of the best teaching tools for parents and teachers to, um, to, to, to sort of establish the foundation of, of um, values and inner strength and, uh, um, and self-awareness in children. That's a great way to end the serious part. Um, Natasha, if, if you have uh, a couple minutes, I have some fun questions for you to answer. Of course. Um, First one, coffee, tea, or water? Tea. That is my, that's, that's my daily ritual. Um, every morning is a cup of tea. That, that sets the tone of my day. Um, it helps me feel grounded. It helps me feel, you know, um, calm and balanced to take on the day. Favorite artist or band? Um, Lena Cohen. Because I love, I, I love brilliant lyrics. Favorite restaurant in D.C.? Oh, um, that's a hard one. Uh, I'm not sure. There, 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 are too, there are too many, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't, have, I don't really have a favorite. All right, so we don't know where you'll go eat with them, but three people that you would like to have dinner with. Alive? Nope, you can. They can be dead or alive. Okay. Um, I will have dinner with uh, uh, Oprah, and because I, I think she's uh, very motivational and and she's uh, you know having a great impact in the world. And uh, um, Steve Jobs and Jesus Christ. That would be quite a conversation. Last book you read? Last book I read, I think it's a book called Hooked. It's a book about how, um, why some products uh, build a loyal, engaged following and other products fail to do so. 
two to three people that everyone should be following right now on social media, or if, if you want to say podcast, um, we can allow that. Yeah, sure. Follow Real Natasha Che on social media. <laughs> I share a lot of personal growth tips. Um, and also, um, follow uh, someone that I really like uh, recently is uh, Brene Brown. Uh, she's a professor, researcher at Harvard. And she talks a lot about emotional intelligence and human resilience. And she's brilliant. Um, and also, uh, Liz Gilbert. Um, and she's the author of E Pray Love. And she's just she's just a wonderful, wonderful human being. And uh, she has a lot of uplifting messages that she sends on social media. And I, I, I love it. All right. So... Last two questions. Best entrepreneurial advice that you've ever received? Um, that's a good question. I would say um, don't take yourself too seriously. Um, entrepreneurship is a lifestyle. It's about creating and innovating and with with any type of creation, there is uncertainty. Um, so if you feel like you built something and that is, uh, that has to be and your identity and your life value, you may have <laughs> a very hard time. Um, so I would say, yeah, don't take yourself too seriously and um, separate your self-worth and identity from the things that you build. And the things that you build are really, you know, the, your, um, the manif manifestation of your creativity, your contribution to your gift to the world. So uh, no matter how far you can take your uh, the products and services and anything else you create, it's a gift to the world and you should feel very um, honored. Um, no matter, no matter, you know, what, what level of success that you achieve. Wow, so that, that's all great advice, and, and I kind of feel like you already answered it, but I still want to give you a chance. So uh, I'm teaching eighth graders, so here in a couple of months, they're getting ready to uh, go on summer vacation, and they will be high schoolers uh, in August. So what is the best advice that you would give to a kid getting ready to start high school in 2018? Oh, there's the thing. Um, you can do uh, over the summer. I would say if you want to be, if you want to pursue some kind of entrepreneurial uh, career in the future, start practicing how to sell. <laughs> um, so you can have, you know, little projects that you uh, create for yourself in the summer. Uh, really practice selling and persuasion and influencing skills. And that, that will be a tremendously helpful skill for, for your career in the future. Actually, for anybody, no matter whether you are an entrepreneur or not, you know, if you want to influence someone, you've got to uh, learn how to sell. Great advice. Um, 
Natasha, thank you so much. Um, I know where I found you and, and how to see all of the great work you're doing, um, but where can people listening find you and your work? Yeah, sure. Uh, they can go to mysoundlife.com if you, uh, if any of your you know, uh, students or uh, anybody who are listening to this podcast, if you want to start a podcast, we offer unlimited podcast hosting for free. And so that is uh, that is our starter plan, which costs zero. <laughs> so uh, that's where you can go. That is mysoundwise.com. And if you want to follow more of the uh, personal growth stuff that I write uh, and I uh, broadcast, uh, you can also go to natashache.com. That's where my, my own personal work is. Okay, Natasha Che, thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Jason. It was a pleasure. Hey, everybody. What's up? Jason Vest here from the After Ed Podcast. Look, we are growing. We are having amazing guests on, but we need you to subscribe. We need you to refer guests for the show. We need you to go and leave reviews only to help us get better and spread our message. If you love what you hear with the podcast, Head on over to Twitter at Mr. Vest RVA. Instagram is the same name. Give me a shout out there as well. Also, if you want to check out what my students are doing from this innovation class that I always reference, check them out on the various social platforms at Innovate HC. That's the number eight, Innovate HC. Thank you guys. Enjoy your day.